Let's pray. Jesus, we come to our feet and we applaud for you. Lord, I pray that every person in this room this week would see a place where out of their lips comes the phrase, There's, there is power in the name of Jesus. Lord, as I say that prayer, I know there's people in this room right now who, who think of something very, very specifically where they really need to see your power. They really need to know your touch. They really need to see the difference that you can make. Father, there are some of us in this room when we think about the, the power of the name of Jesus. Nothing really in particular comes to mind right now. But God, I pray for them also. This week, in the next seven days, may they come upon a place where they see your power. And they praise you for it. Father, so often when we think of needing to see your power, we think of a, a place where we've been hurt, beat up, Boy, we need you to come and fix, rescue. But I would also pray for all of us that we would see your power as we step out in faith to be obedient. Far too often, God, when we think about your power, it's not in how you can lead us to the obedient lifestyle of a Christ follower that we need to be. May we look for your power in those places also, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I believe that my reason, my personal reason for being on this planet is to tell people about Jesus. That's probably not overwhelming news to you. You probably think, well, of course, that's what you're supposed to do. You're a pastor. Matter of fact, some of you'd say, well, yeah, that's what you're paid to do. Okay, let me switch the tables a little bit. Your purpose for being on this planet is to tell people about Jesus. What is the Great Commission? The Great Commission is your task, your job, your assignment to tell people about Jesus Christ, to tell them that you know him, that he's the son of God, that he rose again from the dead and that through him they can have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. You know, as we've walked through this What Is series, we've looked at a lot of questions now, a lot of issues. We've been at this for, for a half a year now. And, and we've looked at some things that have some complexities, even, even when we're just kind of getting started looking at this subject. It, it has complexities and there's varying views. You've probably noticed the pastor's gotten a, gotten a little long-winded during this series. But you know, when we come to the question of what is the Great Commission, there's no complexity here. There's not varying views. There's not a way, a lot of ways to look at this. You are to tell people about Jesus. You're to tell him, tell them around your house, and you are to tell them around this world. I think one of the very express purposes that Colonial Heights Baptist is here is to help you fulfill the great commission, help you fulfill the great challenge, the great command that Jesus Christ has put in your life. It is the only way you're going to find significance in this world. It is the only way you will live significantly. We all want to be significant. To, to be significant means to have value, to, to have importance. It, it, it means to, to count. Well, we all want that. 
We, we all want to know. My life counts. My, my life has importance. My life has value. I, I'm doing something that means something. My first brush with real significance came in the first grade. Got an early start. Went to first grade and, and I noticed there was a, a group of very significant people there, the safety patrol. And they, they could tell people when to get on and off the bus, when to cross the street. They, they wore this, this orange belt and it had a shiny badge on it. I said, man, I, I want to be on the safety patrol. And so I joined the safety patrol. And I'd go home each week or each day and I'd tell my mom, you know, the, the, uh, the different journeys and adventures I'd had on the squad. That's what we called it. And, uh, you know, my mom listened with interest, and, but I think she was starting to have some skepticism, and so she called my first grade teacher, Miss Putoff. What a name for a teacher, by the way. You know, man, she, somebody owes an explanation to her. So she called Miss Putoff. My son's telling me about, about his adventures on the, the safety patrol, and, of course, she told my mom, well, I don't, I don't think that can be possible because only sixth graders are on the safety patrol. It's true, folks, my, my significance was all a lie. And we all look for significance in a lot of different things, don't we? We look for significance in our positions, the groups that we're a part of, our, our position in that group. We look for significance in our money, in our relationships, in the respect that we think we have from people. All kinds of places and things we look for significance, for self-importance. And you know, a lot of us, now we don't think this about ourselves, but we watch others run around trying to, to look important and feel significant. And you know, when we're watching others do that, kind of looks like a little red-headed first grader who thinks he's on the safety patrol. Looks kind of silly. But you know what? We're all doing it. And sometimes we find out, oh gosh, it, it's, it's, all, it's all a lie. Man, significance is a hard thing to grab a hold of. I remember how significant I felt when I was ordained into the ministry. I remember how insignificant I felt when I started to try to do the ministry I was ordained to do. This place where, you know, we think, well, this is where I'm significant. It's quite often where I feel most incompetent. How does somebody find significance in our world? I mean, it's a big world, isn't it? There's a lot going on today. There, there, there's nations creating nuclear warheads. We've got to get a, an immunization to H1N1. There's a, a health care crisis. And, and there's people who make decisions that affect millions of people. Now, in the midst of all that, I'm supposed to do something that makes me significant. Man, how, how do you find significance in, a, in this big world with the enormity of its issues? Or, or do we just finally give in one day and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be significant. I can't do anything in the midst of all that that counts. Oh, folks, that's not true. God created you significant and he gave you a significant reason for being here. A significant task for being on this planet. Let me show you how God develops this. Turn with me to Genesis 1. Our, our passage today is actually Acts 1. And we'll get there in a second. But I want to start in Genesis 1. It's one of the easier passages to find. Turn to page 1. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we've got some in the chairs around you. If you can't reach it, I'm sure somebody will hand it to you if you point to it. Genesis chapter 1. Look at verse 27 and 28. Genesis 1, two verses, I think familiar verses. Genesis 1, verse 27 to 28. It says there, So God created man in his own image. 
He created them in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and every creature that that crawls on the earth. Folks, you were created significant. You were created with value. You were created to count. You were the only part of all of creation that God looked at and said, you, you were modeled after me. When I built you, when I designed you, I had me in mind. You're after my mold. You're in my likeness. By your creation and by your relationship to God, you are significant. But God didn't just put us here to to mark time. He didn't put us here just to breathe air and exist. He gave us a task. He said, "You're you're to multiply. You're to fill the earth. You're to manage the earth. So so we have a significant creation. We have a significant assignment. So why don't we feel significant? I I would say most humans, if not all humans, at different points points in their life are battling with this issue of, am I significant? Does my life count? Does my life mean something? And yet, I open the Bible and tell you, you were created significant. You were given a significant job. So why is nobody experiencing it? Well, you know the answer to that question. We've already dealt with this in one of our what is sermons. It's sin. Sin separates me from God. Sin separates me from the source of my significance. Not only does it separate me from the source of my significance, it frustrates my ability to live significantly. As a matter of fact, when you read Genesis 3 and you see the sin and the fall of mankind, it actually says in there that creation is now going to live in opposition to you. So our search, our task to find significance is going to be at best frustrated and it's always going to be temporary. You may be sitting here right now feeling like you're the most significant thing on the planet. Well, enjoy it because it's coming to an end. All significance is temporary on this planet. But you know what? It's not God's desire. It's not his design to leave you frustrated, to leave you insignificant. He wants to restore you. He wants to give back to you what you and I lost in our sin. Now, he can't pretend that sin's not there. That's what we'd hope for, isn't it? As a matter of fact, that's how we define a loving God. A loving God wouldn't send people to hell. A loving God would pretend like I didn't sin. Have you ever thought about the insanity of that thought? Really? That's what love does. Love pretends like lying is okay. Love pretends like injustice is all right. Love says, you know, violence and immorality, you go ahead because I love you. Folks, love never okays wrong. There is nothing loving about doing that. So God can't overlook your sin. He can't pretend that it's not there. What he can do out of his love is pay for it. He can make it right. And that's what he did in sending his son. One of my favorite verses, 1 Peter 3.18 says, Christ suffered for sins once for all. Everybody in this room. Some of you would actually sit in here and think, man, he couldn't have died for my sin. He couldn't have died for the mess I made in life. No, it says all. You are, by definition, a part of all. He died for you once for all. The righteous for all the unrighteous. That he, that he, not a church, not a pastor, Not your relationship with somebody else, but that he might bring you to God. 
Jesus wants to bring you back to the Father. Jesus wants to restore you to that significant relationship you can have. And then inside of that significant relationship, re-give a commission. Re-give an important reason to keep living on this planet. And we see that in Acts 1.8. Would you turn there with me? Go to the New Testament. You find the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, travel through them. You'll come to Acts. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And I'm going to read verse 8. Acts 1 verse 8. It says there, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The you, folks, is you. You understand the definition of that word? Y'all with me here? You, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power to do what? To be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up while they were watching, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Folks, there's two very significant words there that contain your entire life. And it's the two words, my witnesses. And that word my, Jesus is calling me his. That's my relationship. That's my source of significance. That's my life, Jesus Christ. And I'm his. My witnesses. That's my task. That's my reason. That's your reason for being on this planet to be his witnesses. That's your one assignment. You have one. One assignment, one task, one commission to be his witnesses. You know, folks, there's a I look around this room. There's a lot of us in here. We have different backgrounds. We have different gifts and abilities. And, and, and a lot of us have different roles that we play in this church. We, we play a lot of different roles to to enable, to help, to make Colonial Heights Baptist be Colonial Heights Baptist in this community and world. And we're going to keep playing a lot of roles. But as we play all those different roles, we're all witnesses. Some of us in this room are actually uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. You have a special anointing, a special power. You're going to have a special effectiveness at being a witness. But while God has that set group, we are all still witnesses. Every single one of us is to be a witness. Folks, don't miss the, the context, the importance of what's happening here. In Acts chapter 1, you know the stories. Acts chapter 1 is, is following the end of the Gospels. Well, what happened at the end of the Gospels? Jesus was crucified. Jesus was resurrected. And after that resurrection, for a 40-day time period, Jesus appeared to people. As a matter of fact, well over 500 eyewitnesses saw Jesus Christ. To the apostles, He appeared a number of times. Over a 40-day time period. As we read Acts chapter 1, we're reading day 40. This is day 40, and, and Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, and He knows He's about to ascend into heaven. So when you and I read verse 8, we're reading His last words. Don't last words always mean something? I mean, the last words of a coach before he sends the team out onto the field or, or out onto the court? The last words of a teacher before the kids leave for the day? The last words of parents before kids go out for the night or out into life? Or some of us will have the opportunity to utter last words before we die. 
Last words are always important. Now, you know what last words don't do? Last words don't necessarily cover everything that's important. Last words don't cover everything that we've practiced, everything that you've learned, everything that you've been told. Last words rarely can cover all that needs to be covered, but last words are always significant, aren't they? I mean, literally, when somebody's giving you last words, they're saying, if you forget everything else, remember this. What was Jesus' last words? His last words to you. The next time humanity will gaze upon Jesus like they're gazing upon him right here is at the second coming. So this is a big moment right here. And in that moment, what does he say to you and me? You are my witnesses. In Genesis chapter 1, you and I were created in a significant relationship with God. In Acts chapter 1, we find out through Christ that we can be restored to that significant relationship. In Genesis chapter 1, we're told to go out into the earth and multiply physical children. In Acts chapter 1, we're told to go out into the earth and multiply spiritual children, God's children. In Genesis chapter 1, we're told to manage the earth for temporary fruit. In in Acts chapter 1, we're told to manage the earth for spiritual, eternal fruit. Folks, our chance for significance in witnessing is that we can touch eternity. That we can impact eternity. Now let me make the boldest statement of all this morning. You can't and you won't live significantly without being a witness. There is not another opportunity. There's not another way. There's nothing else that touches eternity like that. Leading somebody to Christ, joining God in that, is the most significant way you can live. The most significant thing you can do is be a part of leading somebody from the eternal flames of hell to the eternal loving arms of God. That touches eternity. That touches significance. Folks, I I think we have grossly underestimated the role of witnessing in the Christian life. We see witnessing as something that a Christian does. And really, it's not just something a Christian does. It's something that a strong Christian does. And we're all too ready to let somebody else bear the title of a strong Christian. Folks, witnessing is not something a Christian does. It is the thing a Christian does. We witness as a parent, we witness as a mate, we witness as a co-worker, as a friend, when we're young, when we're old, when we're employed, when we're unemployed. We witness in every stage and season of life. And do you see the beauty of this assignment from God? I can do this no matter what's going on in life. I can do this no matter where I am in life. Folks, when you think about the things that make people significant, that statement's never true. Some of you in here right now, your significance, your value, your worth is in how beautiful you are. Do you realize that right now you're rotting? Go ahead and giggle a little bit. You're absolutely in the process of decay as we sit here. Enjoy your beauty. But that's what we do. We find, you think anybody in America thinks they're significant because of how beautiful they are? So others in here, you're, you're, my significance is in my athletic prowess, my, my ability among men. My, my, my significance is, is the role I play at work or the, the level I am at work. Folks, at best, you're going to lose it. At worst, you're going to lose it before you know you're going to lose it. 
But you're going to lose it. But look at God's assignment. When I'm involved with God, when I'm joining God in the task He's given me, I can be a witness whether I'm beautiful or ugly. I can be a witness when I'm the strongest one on the field. I can be a witness when I'm the weakest one on the field. I can be a witness no matter where I am in the company. I can be a witness at the top of my game and at the bottom of my game. In any and every season of life, I can be a witness. I can be what God's called me to do. I can touch eternity from every position. Only God gives us that opportunity. So what do I do today? What what do I do in light of this passage? Okay, here comes a real, you never saw this one coming. Witness! Just do it. Be the witness God has called you to be. You can start that effective immediately. 1201, be a witness. Now, for something this significant where we are talking about human lives in eternity, man, I want to get as good at that as I can. I would encourage you to take a class. I would encourage you to learn a, a gospel presentation and, and, and learn how to be good at doing that and how to rely on the Holy Spirit in doing that. We offer a class here. It's called Faith, F-A-I-T-H. It's a way to present the gospel. It's one way. There's a lot of ways to present the gospel. I don't know that I really think one is superbly better than the others. This is a way of communicating the gospel. The great thing about this particular class is not only does it teach you a presentation, But you'll actually be teamed up with people so that you can go out and in a live setting, watch them give that presentation. And and then you can go out and you can present the gospel in a live setting. And when you mess it all up, they'll be there to catch you. They'll be there to protect you. They'll be there to finish it off if need be. But you'll be surprised. God's so awesome. When you mess it all up, people get saved anyway. Because you see, it's really it's what God's doing, not what you're doing. The only issue is, are you going to join God and be a part of the significant thing he's called you to do? You know why we don't witness? I could give you a list of reasons. They all come down to one. We're afraid. The reason we're not going to sign up and take faith is because we're we're afraid. And for most of our lives, we've said my fear and my comfort zone is of greater priority to me than obeying Christ. And so I'll run around over here and I'll try to find significance in all this other stuff that's never actually going to work. But you know what? I trust that today there's some people sitting in this room who are saying, you know what? I want to live for something bigger than what I'm afraid of. I want to live for something bigger. I want there to be a higher priority in life, something more significant in life than what makes me comfortable. You know what? Maybe today's the day I need to start taking faith. And you can go out here right at the end of this service, right down here at the end of this hallway. There's a desk down there. There'll be some folks that'll make themselves clear they're there for faith. And you walk up. What is this class? When does it start? What does it look like? What do I what am I going to do and sign up for that class? I want to tell you something. Taking that class won't remove all your fears. I've been witnessing for over 30 years. I've seen a lot of people come to Christ. I've been in a lot of different situations. I'd say I'm probably better than average at dealing with questions and confrontations. And you know what? I still get scared. And not only do I still get scared, I still have walked away from being obedient because I let my fear get the better part of me. I'm not telling you take this class and all fear is gone. I'm saying take a step of faith and take faith And start living for something bigger than fears. Fears is such an awful thing to have guide and drive your life. 
will you today take a step and get involved in learning to share your faith? Second thing you need to do, and I come back to the passage here, you need to learn where to share your faith. Because Jesus actually delineates three places you're to be a witness. You're to be a witness in Jerusalem. Now, for us, that's, that's our home. That's, that's Colonial Heights. It's Chesterfield and Hopewell and Petersburg and Dinwiddie and, and, and these surrounding areas. But Jesus said, while you were to think, okay, now, Randy, how, how am I being a witness in this place? But I'm also to be a witness in Judea and Samaria. That's the region. I am to have me personally, you personally, are to have a witness in Virginia, the eastern seaboard, and the United States. And you personally are to have a witness to the ends of the earth. Now, now I'm kind of back to feeling incredibly insignificant again, aren't you? How am I, how am I going to do that? How am I going to have a, a, a witness in all three of these places? As a matter of fact, most people have continually read this verse wrong. We read this and think Jesus is saying, pick one of the three. Or if you're really good, pick two of the three. Jesus doesn't say that. He said, you are my witness in these three distinct locations. Now, how am I going to do that? Well, folks, let me ask you a question. Would you give God five days to answer that question for you? Would you be here this Wednesday to Sunday? Certainly Wednesday and Sunday and maybe a couple of events in between. And let God show you how you living right here in your daily life can begin to have a witness in all three of these locations. Folks, would it would it be a big would it be a big deal to guess that if it was the last thing he said before he left? That it might be the first thing he asks when he returns. Were you my witness? What are you going to say? Colonial Heights Baptist wants to help you be able to say absolutely. And it was the joy and the significance of my life. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in this moment, and if I were to, to quote statistics, then statistically, Father, about 96% of us in this room have lived our entire life as a follower of Christ, disobedient to the Great Commission. We have ignored the great charge on our lives. Lord, I can't confess all the reasons we do that. But we have. We'll talk to people about anything and everything but you. We're sorry. We come before you as individuals. We come before you as a family. And we confess that sin. We ask that you would cleanse us of it and God, that you would embolden us, you would strengthen us to desire to live for something bigger than our fears. To live for something bigger than what somebody thinks about me. God, would you raise an army of witnesses? 
God, as we look out into our world and we look at the enormity of issues that are out there. May we realize that what this church can do more than anything else to deal with the enormity of the issues is send out an army of witnesses. God, if this church is known for anything, may it be those people talk about Christ. Not just when they're gathered, not just when they're doing something official and formal, but as they leave and as they go out into the highways and byways of the world, you'll find a member of that church talking about Jesus. Lord, we don't just want to talk about you. We want to talk effectively and, and faithfully and accurately and truthfully about you. And we want to talk in a way that it leads people to stop running around looking for significance in anything and everything that will all fail and give their lives to Christ. God, we want to impact a world. And thank you. Thank you that we can. We've been charged to impact a world. We've been empowered to impact a world. May we rise up and seize it. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.